SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Sports Grid is here live on Fantasy Sports today as we cover all of fantasy sports, reality, and of course, sports wagering as well. I am Craig Mish. Stick with us for the next hour. We're going to talk some fantasy football with fantasy pros Mike Tagliere. We're also going to break down what happened in baseball last night and, of course, move forward to today because on this Thursday, we got a lot of day baseball to get to and preview as well. Joe, we also have NBA games starting. It's one of the great things about the playoffs that we can actually stomach. It isn't great to not have fans at games, but it is certainly great to have five or four NBA games throughout the day, and the first one is getting ready to start here at 1 o'clock Eastern. Yeah, the NBA playoffs have kind of started with a bang, gotten some upsets already, so I think that's great. I think it's good for the NBA that uh, other teams seem viable, and this is always my hang-up with the NBA the last few years. It always felt like a foregone conclusion, And right now, coming into the season, it didn't feel like that, but it's even been exacerbated because the lack of home court advantage, it really is kind of wide open. So it really has become musty television, I would say. Let's go through our top stories very quickly. And by the way, before we do that, let me start off by saying that the Houston Astros have placed Alex Bregman on the 10-day injured list. So another Astros player goes down with an injury. I don't know how many more they can sustain here. Think about this. Verlander, Alvarez, Bregman, just to start are not on the field for the Astros and Osuna, their closer here in 2020. Uh, let's uh, let's start off here. Cincinnati Reds have, have suspended their announcer, Tom Brenneman, for using a homophobic slur. If you are any kind of sports or baseball fan whatsoever, you know exactly what we're talking about. And Joe and I did break this down in the first hour of our show. So you can go back and watch on demand. Uh, Joe shared his thoughts. Uh, certainly I shared mine as well. And so to rehash that, Go back and watch us on demand on YouTube. It's right there for you. Uh, Casey Mize, Dane Dunning, two rookies squaring off last night. Both struck out seven. That's a Major League Baseball record. That's never happened before with two starters in their first shot out the gate. Kyle Tucker had a big game for Houston as well. He'll have to step up for them. Uh, Alex Bregman's injury, as we said, did lead to an injured list uh, issue here for him. He's going to be out at least two weeks. Uh, Patriots, some discussion about maybe using multiple quarterbacks. Joe and I also hit on that a little bit. We really don't believe it. We think it's going to be Cam Newton. Uh, Jazz tied up their series with the Nuggets, one apiece. Luka and the Mavericks upset the Clippers, 127-114. to 114. Let's now move ahead to the game that's tipping off right now in Orlando. The Miami Heat taking on the Indiana Pacers. Taking a look at the spread here, Miami is minus 4.5. Indiana, of course, getting the four and a half points. The total is 215. Miami looked good in their first game, but look, Joe, I mean, at this at this point, and, and look, I'm a Heat guy, a former Heat season ticket holder, and watch all the Heat games, and I, and I like the Heat in game one, but I like taking points here in game two. At least that's been the trend so far, so why would I go against it? No, I, I don't think you should. I think you stick with your instincts in these things, and you're right. The Heat has been pretty good, so I think you continue to roll with that. Uh, and, and look, Indiana's a, a good basketball team. If they weren't, they wouldn't be in the playoffs. But uh, I think you can certainly look at the Heat as as the favorites here and uh, certainly look at them as continuing to roll. And that, that's been the tricky thing so far as teams have gotten underway. It's It seems to be getting that rhythm back. 
Uh, these eight games that were played to going through kind of end the season, some teams found their rhythm right away. Others were still struggling. We were talking about the Lakers just kind of earlier in the week about when do they flip the switch? <laughs> we thought they would in game one and they didn't, they didn't flip the switch in the first game. So I think leaning with the heat makes sense here. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, the athletic is reporting today that uh, Joey Bart, the top prospect for the San Francisco Whoa. giants is headed way uh, to San Francisco. And so, um, you know, Joe, there's an opportunity there for yet another player to make his big league debut this weekend. That's that's crazy. <laughs> I can't believe we're hearing that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess so. All hands on deck. It's 2020. I don't I don't know what this is all about. I don't know if there's something going on here with the next CBA where things are going to change drastically. And all of a sudden the owners are not worried about starting the clocks of everybody. I'm, I, I can't help but always think that there's some other motivation or something else going on because I'm just conditioned thanks to Major League Baseball owners over the years. There's got to be a dark side to this. I don't know if you know what it is. I don't know if you have an inkling of what it is, but look, at least we saw Dunning and we saw Casey Mize last night too. I know we kind of glanced over that, but that was kind of a big news as well in terms of major league baseball, seeing these guys, especially Casey Mize look filthy last night. Yeah. I I think that based on the amount of service time, I think that time is up. I think you get the extra year right now. So maybe, maybe that's the reason why, because I could tell you that more are coming. Yeah, and as we welcome in the radio audience here to, to Fantasy Sports Day on Sports Grid, more youngsters are coming. Uh, Joey Bart being out there, too. I mean, I don't know if I would throw him to the Wolves. I'm sure he's going to be like a min-salary player uh, tonight on FanDuel, which is always good to have a free square when you're trying to go up on the board for pitchers like Sonny Gray. Uh, and so far, look, the rookies have been impressive, and Joey Bart is certainly one of those higher-end guys. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. I know they're high on the shortstop as well. Uh, from what you've seen or heard about Joey Bart so far, what's your profile from the inside of Major League Baseball on this guy? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure if he can be a catcher for them full-time. They'd like him to get a year uh, with with Buster Posey there as well and learn from him. And, of course, Posey is not on the field. So my guess is, Joe, is that he'll catch. I don't think he's up to sit. You're not going to bring a prospect up like that to sit. But I think that there'll be some days where he designated hitter as well. Uh, some legit power, no question about that. But I think at this point, some teams have to really make the call here. Are we really in this thing or not? And I don't think by any means that the Giants are in it, but they got to figure it out right now. So yeah. call sort of gives them the opportunity to see what he can do in a month and a half and gives them some, honestly, some minor league baseball time in the major leagues. That's the biggest thing that has been hurt in baseball this year is not having minor league baseball. There is no development whatsoever for players who would have been at double A or triple A and Joe they don't have it. So the only shot that they have, and that's why I think primarily you're going to see more of these players called up and very soon. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. We got you covered here until 2 o'clock Eastern on the show tomorrow. Our full NASCAR preview, of course, and plenty more fantasy baseball and football discussion as well. We're trying to cover it all for you here, and we'll continue to do that. Uh, Okay, so good news for the Mets, Joe. I I know it's hard to take here. Good news for the Mets. 
we haven't had a lot of it this year, and I don't want to like tease you here a little bit. And I know Brett Levy, our producer, is a Mets fan too. But I've been at two of the last three games uh, at Marlins Park. I was there again last night. I think I'm going to sit out tonight, but I was there two of the last three nights. And look, Miami's not playing well. I'll give you that. But the Mets are actually taking advantage of these situations. Now, the bullpen is still a wreck. You don't trust Diaz at any point in the game and probably not familiar either. But let me show you one guy who you can trust in this lineup because I think that he's on his way to becoming a superstar. And health has really been the only issue with him. But look at Michael Conforto's numbers this year. And and the number I think that is the key one here is the on-base percentage. That's a really high number for a left-handed hitter, 435 OBP. I know that the home runs are a little light, four home runs, 13 RBIs. He also has two stolen bases. But, Joe, I think that this player in particular is the key to the overall success because – Look, let's be real. You know more or less Pete Alonso, who he is. He's going to hit 30, 40 home runs. You know that. You know, May Rosario, he's an okay player. Cano, he's, he's good. But McNeil, he's a good hitter. But Conforto is the guy that really takes that, take the Mets to the next level. I don't think the Mets have enough pitching to get deep into the season, but they really uh, have hit the ball very well against Miami, and I think Conforto is a big reason why. Oh, he absolutely is. I'm a big fan of Michael Conforto, always have been. And I think the most important stat is actually the batting average right now against left-handed pitching, because that's the thing that was kind of his undoing earlier in his career. And you started to see him make some strides last year. And we even talked about it, I think, either earlier in this week or last week at the end of the week, guys who are left-handed bats were hitting left-handed pitching. And he was one of the guys we profiled and said, Hey, look at what's happening with Michael Conforto. And I kind of make it reminiscent to Mike Moustakis, who was also a guy that had a lot of potential coming up, but he struggled against left-handed pitching early on. Once he got that batting average to like that 285 range against uh, left-handed pitching, you saw Moustakis just take off as a player. The power went through the roof. Uh, it was just a guy that all of a sudden you felt really good about starting and Conforto is one of those guys. And in terms of complete hitter in that, Mets lineup right now. I agree. It is Michael Conforto. Pete Alonso still has a lot of swing and miss in him right now, which I keep waiting for the Pete Alonso that I saw in double and triple A to show up where he's not just swinging for the fences all the time. I hope that he starts to get back to that version of Pete Alonso. Jeff McNeil is a very solid hitter, but I don't think he quite has the power upside that Michael Conforto has. Maybe he's a 20 something home run guy. Conforto's a 30 something home run guy when everything's going right. So even though those home run totals are down right now, it's only four. I think you look around the complete package of the hitter Michael Conforto is right now, and you have to say this is a player that's definitely on the upswing. Yeah, he hit a big home run, a game-winning home run for the Mets last night after the game, talked about some of the ways that he has improved and made himself successful this year. Absolutely. I mean, you know, every time you go out there, you want to have an impact on the game. And, um, you know, I think this year, I've been able to at least get on base, you know, most of the time, um, you know, if I'm not getting my pitch, I think, you know, that, that works well in this lineup with, with all the, all the bats that we have uh, with Pete, with Dom, with Robbie, um, you know, Nimmo and I getting on base is, is, is a recipe for, for a lot of runs. So, um, you know, I think, you know, my focus is, is, is there, but also I want to be one of those guys as well. You know, I want to drive in a lot of runs and, and, and spray the field and, and be a tough out. So, um, you know, that's really been the goal so far this year. And, um, you know, the consistency part of it is, is something that, um, you know, I felt like I could do and, and, and that I wasn't doing over the past couple of years. So, um, you know, I'm going to do what I can to, to continue to be a tough out and, and, um, and uh, continue to hit the way I'm hitting. 
And Conforto is definitely off to a good start. The Mets were not. But it's it's almost like being a Mets fan has got to be tough because, Joe, you think, okay, it's just not happening, right? But then they, they fool you a little bit. <laughs> and then they do. win a few games in a row. And now they're right back in it again, really. I mean, they're only two games under 500. They're one winning streak away from being over 500, from being in the 16-team playoff. So we'll see what happens. But They did this, this last this, August. Don't you remember? Do you remember this, team? Yeah. They did it last August. They started to get really good. And all of us were like, hey, well, maybe we can sort of kind of come play in the playoffs. And that would be fun if you guys would let us play in the playoffs. And then end of August and September happened. And then we were, uh, <laughs> those, those illusions were uh, removed quite frequently, unfortunately. They were. Well, look, you got to Grom every five days, and that's better than can, can we get him team every team. day? Just every day. I just want him every yeah, day. Just every day. That's it. Yeah. Hasn't technology gotten to that point where we could just clone Jacob to Grom and just have him start every game? Because that's where I'd like. To yeah, he, but he would he would end up being a llama, so the llama would have to pitch. It wouldn't it wouldn't <laughs> be the Grom. That's fine. If llama that's what it comes to it, a good opener. Llamas are good openers. Okay, so along the lines of Conforto. There are some other players that are just having solid seasons, but really not spectacular, but they're really helping uh, people a lot in fantasy. And by the way, there there's some names here that I would tell you that if you're still engaged in your fantasy league, go on the waiver wire there. Just see. I mean, maybe you'll find one of these guys. You'll be surprised to look at, at look at their numbers. Kyle Seeger, who we've known for many years and we haven't talked about in years probably, but look, at the end of, the, of a normal season, he's hitting 20 home runs. He's driving in 70. This year, even better, 303 batting average. Uh, Willie Adamas, if you know when he's playing, he's more of a daily guy, but certainly has been a good option for Tampa Bay this year. 293, two homers, eight RBIs. Cole Calhoun is getting on base a lot. He also has seven home runs, 18 runs driven in. We don't hear his name all that much. He's solid, not spectacular. David Fletcher, one of my favorites in baseball, 304, already has three home runs and nine runs driven in. Uh, this is a nice special player, I think, that the Angels have, and they just find a way to get him in the lineup every day. Uh, C.J. Crone is out for the year, so now Jonathan Scope is sort of on an island there, along with Miguel Cabrera trying to hit those bombs. He's already got five, five home runs, 10 RBIs. Good start for him. And then Dylan Moore is a player that I don't think anyone has awareness of, but because he's stolen some bases, he kind of jumped up on the fantasy uh, radar here. He also has five home runs, five steals. 10 RBIs, Joe, and a 301 batting average. And so we sometimes forget about these players, and, and the names of these guys are, are not going to you know, shake the ground or anything. It's not like Manny Machado hitting that grand slam to walk off last night or, or, a, or Francisco Lindor. But these are viable players that if they're sitting out there in maybe a 12-team league or a head-to-head league, you may want to take a shot. Yeah, Fletcher's not the surprise name on this list at all because last year he was quietly very good. So he's picked up right where he left off, which is terrific. Uh, For me, I think the surprise name has got to be Dylan Moore. That's one that I don't think anybody really saw coming so far. Cole Calhoun has been really good if you chose your spots with him too, especially on the nights where he's hitting at the top of that order. Some nights there he's against a right-handed pitcher. Sometimes you see him in that one spot, which has been really good. And some of those home runs have come from that spot as well. Uh, and Adams is an interesting one because Adams is a guy basically kind of playing for his life right now. He's playing right now with the the Tampa Bay Rays and Wander Franco, who's all world, is like scratching the surface right now. And we're seeing all these names come up into Major League Baseball. Wander Franco is that last big one for me that I want to see this year. I want to see him play and I'm being selfish because I have a lot of shares of Wander Franco. But Adams is at least showing you that he is a serviceable Major League player. So if indeed they want to make a path for Wander Franco, whether it be this year or next year, Adams might be useful to some other team potentially for the Rays to flip. 
Yeah, and, and I think that Tampa Bay is a dangerous team at the deadline. Yes. Because they always seem to get the best out of their deals. But it's going to be really hard this year in trades, and we've discussed this. And next week we'll have to really do a deeper dive into the trade deadline because it's coming up in 11 days from now. But you have Boston, you have Pittsburgh, and, and I guess you have San Francisco too. I would I would say that, but realistically speaking, you have at least Joe twenty five teams that feel like they have a chance, and and yeah. and it's and that's going to create an impossible trade situation. I, I, will, I don't know how teams will, will create done. a lot of value potentially for an organization like say the Pirates who are looking to uh, maybe trade a Josh Bell. I mean, that's, a, that's yeah. a bat that could certainly help a lot of people. So if a lot of teams are in on it, maybe just maybe the Pirates could finally get a good return for one of their players and make up for the lack of return that they got from Meadows and Cole and all the other guys that they've dealt off in the last three years. So that's the only hope for the Pirates right now is that, yes, everyone does think they're in it and they can take Josh Bell and hopefully get maybe more than they normally would in a regular trade deadline for him. But to me, that's the biggest name because I don't really see necessarily – how about you, Craig? Boston unloading guys like, you know, JD Martinez isn't going where Devers isn't going where. I don't think Bogarts is. I think they're just going to sit tight. But I could see a Mitch Moreland going. I could see a player like that going to help somebody. Yeah, and next week we'll have a full preview of that as the baseball trade deadline comes up here, first month into the season. Uh, Chris has the update next, and then Mike Tagliere from Fantasy Pros dives in, and specifically, going to be a lot of discussion about. Young rookie running backs don't play. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. And our next guest is one of the best fantasy football minds out there. And no, that is not exaggeration. That's a fact. He's one of the contributors of the Fantasy Black Book, but you really know him from Fantasy Pros. And Fantasy Pros is doing something very special today. That's right. When Fantasy Sports Today is over, of course, you can go check this out. But they've got a live stream going on to get you ready for fantasy football season. So he's the one, the only, the superstar, Mike Daglier. Mike, welcome back to the program, my friend. How are you? Oh, thanks for the kind intro, Joe. You're too sweet. Um, obviously, you and I have a history going back on the Fantasy Pros podcast, so it's it's always a joy talking to you. As you and I are just two guys that really don't hold back our emotions very well, so it, it makes for good good radio, good TV, good whatever you want it to be. Yeah, filters are not our strong suit. No. I think we figured that out over the years, you and I, and that's why we get along so well. And it's funny because you know, whenever you and I really agree on a player, I think that's something that you know people should really take note of because. That means that two people who are really immersed in this are really going through. And I know there's a couple of those guys we're going to get to today. But before we do, tell everybody about the live stream, what's going on, where they can find it, and what the agenda is. Because <clears throat> I am aware of your 8 o'clock guest, this guy right here. <laughs> yes, Joe will be on there. We are actually, by the time this airs, actually, you guys are going to be, it's going to be live. So check it out uh, at youtube.com forward slash fantasy pros. Uh, it's the 10th anniversary of fantasy pros. So what we wanted to do is put together this special event uh, where we go through and we do 10 straight hours of fantasy football talk. Uh, that's going to start at noon Eastern time on Thursday, the 20th, and it's going to run up until 10 o'clock Eastern time. We're going to have a variety of analysts from around the industry on top names, including Joe. Uh, so I, I am definitely looking forward to it when they brought it up. It was like, are you going to be okay to do a 10 hour live stream? I'm like, 
I mean, I could show up for 10 hours and talk football with my friends on a live stream. It doesn't really matter where I'm talking. I mean, that's the easiest part for me. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I guess the real question is how many hours can you stand Kyle talking about Jonu Smith? I think that's that a is a great question. That's a that's great question. question. And uh, I mean, obviously, I'm going to be razzing Dan about, you know, being Woody, the real life Woody character. Oh, from yeah. Story. Boy, is he yeah. got a lot of heat. I've seen that because when we did that podcast together, I saw the picture and I saw and I said, wow. And then all of a sudden, really, people started to give him heat there for looking like a like a Pixar cowboy. But uh, you're 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 a bit of a maverick of a cowboy yourself. And, you know, last year I put you on the spot and I asked you, I said, who is the guy that's not being drafted in the first round running back specifically who you think is going to get into that first round conversation that's going to return that kind of value? And you gave me the name Aaron Jones and my friend. That was a pretty good name because he finished number two in PPR. So before we break down what our expectations are for Jones, who's that next dude for you that you think can be that guy who jumped from second, third, or even further on into that first round talent conversation? Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw out a name that you're that some people listening might be like, ah, I've seen him go in the first round. But in in reality, what we need to do is separate, you know, uh, public ADP and and analyst ADP because they're, they're totally separate things because 90% of our readers are actually people that are in public leagues that are going to be able to take advantage of ADP. Uh, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire currently is the number 24 overall player in ADP. And this is like updated two days ago. So it's not like, you know, right after Damian Williams went down and it, it's skewed numbers. It's not, uh, he's going as the RB 14 right behind miles Sanders and Austin Eckler. And it kind of makes sense because a lot of people, what they want is proven production. I've done, I've done live streams. I've done podcasts where people have reached out to me and saying, you can't trust a rookie running back. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I've legitimately right. done articles on this talking about rookie production, what you can expect out of them. Wide receivers, it's a different story. Last year's class was out of this world, uh, but running backs you can trust. And if you go back over the last eight years, I've done studies on this. Uh, first round running backs, which is where Clyde Edwards Hilaire was drafted, on average, 251 touches their rookie year. If you give me 251 touches wow. for a guy that's in Andy, uh, Andy Reed's offense with Patrick Mahomes and a guy, by the way, that Andy Reed said his film was better than Brian Westbrook. So don't sit here and say, well, Andy Reed had Brian Westbrook, Jamal Charles, this and that. He compared him to th those players. He said that uh, Andy Reed had never drafted a running back in the first round before. So it speaks highly of him. Patrick Mahomes said he wanted him. There's just so much here to love with Clyde Edwards-Slayer. I do believe that he's going to be a top five pick in 2021 drafts. Now, you make an excellent point, which is a point that I try to make on my shows, too, which is you have to separate, you know, the expert shark leagues from the casual leagues. And, and the majority of leagues are casual, which means that. Alaire will be a new name to most people. Even the people who watch college football, there'll be people who are a little hesitant there. Yep. And it does mean that you don't necessarily have to reach for him. Uh, he very well might be there in the second round. I think he's going to end up being a little higher in the next couple of weeks as more people like us continue to talk about him. But the fallacy that a rookie running back can't be a first round pick, that's crazy. In the black book, I had Saquon Barkley as the number six overall player in his rookie season. And same. the same thing with Ezekiel Elliott. I think that year we had him at nine, I want to say, overall. And 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 I don't think I put Alaire in that same talent category, but this is more about the offense, right, Mike, when we're talking about it. It's like the combination of talent plus usage right here that that makes CEH basically this guy that's rocketing through. So I want to be clear uh, before the NFL draft, I was one of the only guys that stood out and said Clyde Edwards Hilaire was my RB one. I had him over that's Jonathan fair. Taylor. I had him over JK Dobbins. Uh, I liked Edwards Hilaire. I thought he fit today's NFL a lot better than those guys. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people mentioned, you know, LSU, he saw a lot of six, seven man fronts. He's not going to see that in the NFL. Well, when he went to the chiefs, he's absolutely going to see that. <laughs> he he might even see yeah, more to be honest with you with how they move players around. So um, everything, the stars aligned. I even had one of my followers offer to make me an avatar before the draft uh, that had Clyde Edwards 
hilarious. And it says surprise yourself uh, because that's like a motto I love by is surprise yourself. It's it's bold, it's plain, it's simple, but Clyde Edwards Hilaire is he was my favorite running back in the class. So landing here in this offense, it, it just it makes no <laughs> there's there's really no argument against him outside of health and oh, he's I'm never good. had an issue with health. So I'm you're good. not the first guy on the show to talk about that. Michael Fabiano on. He was talking about him being a top six overall potential player. Again, I don't know if I want to draft him there, but I do agree. He's got that kind of a ceiling there. Let's go back and rewind to last year for a moment, if we may, and talk about Aaron Jones, because that was the guy last year. And my goodness, did he return investment without a doubt? And I listened to you because all of us can learn. Uh, me included. And I had a fair amount of Aaron Jones. And let me tell you, it was a good decision. Now going into this season, there's obviously regression. There's no touchdowns. That's probably going to happen. But how much regression overall can we expect from him? Is this a guy you still feel comfortable with as your RB1? Or is it somebody that you would want to back up immediately with somebody else? Take me through your Aaron Jones thoughts in 2020 as opposed to 2019. So everyone's really quick to say regression with with Aaron Jones, and I, I don't know if it's fair just yet because we've only we've seen Aaron Jones in, in a workhorse role uh, now for two years. It's not really a workhorse role, but more like a a two thirds role. I think we, right. is the best way to describe him. And uh, I do this article every year. So basically, wherever you get a touch, if you get a touch in your own twenty yard line, you get a touch in the fifty yard line, a touch inside your opponent's fifteen, all that stuff. Every single carry, every single target a player gets has an expected fantasy outcome. Aaron Jones has now finished number four on that list in back-to-back -back years in terms of fantasy points over expected. So there are players that are basically just better than the rest. And Aaron Jones finishing number four on that list back-to-back -back years, he's just like an Alvin Kamara. Like we, at some point we had to say, let's stop expecting regression for Alvin Kamara. He's going to get, he's not going to get 20 touches per week. We know that the issue with Aaron Jones is Matt LaFleur may not be a very bright guy. Um, when you go into the <laughs> NFL, when you go into the NFL draft and you have the two, the two biggest strengths in your team, are your quarterback because you have an all-time quarterback in Aaron Rodgers and you're running back Aaron Jones, who I think is a top five talent in the league. And then you draft, not only do you draft, you trade up in the first round to get a quarterback. And then you draft a, a fullback running back in the second round. It absolutely makes no sense. They could be preparing for life without Aaron Jones in 2021 mm -hmm. because this is his contract year. Right. But um, he's a guy that I would absolutely love to have as my RB two, but I can't trust him as my RB one this year, just because of Matt LaFleur, because it's very possible. We see him average 14 to 15, 14, 15 touches per week. And even if he is crazy efficient with those touches, it's, it's awfully difficult to get in that RB one conversation every week. All right. So Mike just released on fantasypros.com the big primer he does every year going into the season. And basically Mike goes in every week and goes through every player for you. It's an amazing, crazy thing. I can't even imagine the intravenous coffee, caffeine, <laughs> energy drinks that are going through his veins at this very moment as we're talking to Mike. But at the same time, Mike, I know you just did it for the preseason going in. And you're like me. When you go in, you have certain preconceived notions about players. And I'm curious, as you came out of the primer and this new manifesto that you have out there, was there a player that you changed your tune on maybe positively or negatively from the research you start to do where maybe you get in there and go, you know what, I need to give this guy a little bit more respect or you know what, I need to downgrade this guy. Is there anybody like that floating around here before we close things out today for you? I mean, a few guys in that, in that, uh, you know, round three, round four territory, guys like AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley, uh, those guys have moved up my board all off season. Yeah. And well, AJ Mike Brown and I, by the way, the guy that we're both in is Calvin Ridley. If Mike and I are in a league, it's going to get ugly. I just want everybody to know it's all <laughs> Calvin Ridley, but so go on, continue on about those guys. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I like both those guys, AJ Brown. I was worried about, you know, basically that this offense hasn't had more than 450 pass attempts in each of the first two years under my Mike Vrabel. Uh, does that increase this year? Probably, because I, I do think that their defense takes a little step back. Um, 
But in the end, it's very top-heavy when you look at the targets. Corey Davis had toe. He's having issues with his toe. Apparently, he had toe surgery this offseason that we just found out about like a week or two ago. Uh, Derrick Henry, obviously not heavily involved in the passing game. They really don't have another running back there. Jonu Smith, actually, I think he saw just like 6% of the team's air yards last year. So while it's cool to say that he's a potential breakout candidate, you have to project a crazy amount of air yards going his way. Why not go to A.J. Brown, the guy that was just straight-up dominant last year with the ball right. in his hands? As a rookie, uh, he's only going to get better uh, and then obviously you know Calvin Ridley is a guy that you and I both love and uh, the secrets out there with him uh, you know he, coming yes, out of the NFL. we've ruined nice things this is what happens we, we, see we, we really do but I, I mean know. the question is is how high are you willing to go on him and if you get him at the tail end of the third round that's fantastic I'm fine with it it reminds me so much of Chris Godwin last uh, year it's, where, it's a, the guy I keep making the equation to yeah. as I said you want to take a guy a wide receiver that you think is going to go from a two to a one from a three to a two and from four to a three and last year was Godwin and this year it's it's Ridley who can take that jump. Who can take another jump besides Ridley, in your opinion, in that wide receiving group? I mean, there, there's so many in that in that range. Like is it Robert DK Woods. Metcalf? Is that another guy too? If you want a Seahawks wide receiver, here's the here's how I break, I break it down. Tyler Lockett <laughs> is the safe one. If you want Tyler Lockett as a wide receiver too, fantastic. He can finish probably borderline top 10. But if you're shooting for the stars, DK Metcalf absolutely has top 10 wide receiver upside, maybe even top five. Uh, him and Russell Wilson have been working together this offseason on Russell Wilson's private field. Uh, Russell Wilson came out the other day and said, He's like a little brother to me now. And that that like that closeness is almost like the closeness you get between Tom Brady and Julian Edelman, a guy that was cons consistently seeing nine, 10 targets per game from Tom Brady. So uh, with Russell Wilson's accuracy and DK Metcalf's prowess and the size of his, you know, how big he is, I'm, I'm in on DK Metcalf as an upside wide receiver two, ideally high end wide receiver three. Yeah, same kind of chemistry that you and I have, Mike, here on the show. Again, go check out Fantasy Pros on Twitter uh, and at FantasyPros.com for the link to the live stream tonight. Check out Mike and everybody getting you prepared. I mean, talk about a great cram session of all time. Mike, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. We'll be right back on SportsGrid right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. It is time for a little fantasy sports today. And thanks again to Mike Taglier for coming on the show. And as always on our program, we go with a little fantasy or reality here on the show, Joe, and a little NBA, a little NFL, and some boxing as well. And uh, before we do that, what's uh, on deck here for Diamond Bets coming up this weekend on SportsGrid? Well, uh, it's funny you should ask because you have the great uh, Nick Pollock of Pitcher List joining us. And Nick is going to break down some of these young pitching debuts that we've had. Uh, including Casey Mize and Dunning and a few others too. Uh, so we're going to dive in deep with those because he's always doing some great analysis over there on Pitcher List on those names. And uh, kind of also, you know, dig a little deeper too. We'll talk some prospects with him as well. And of course, Matt Stryker and I are going to break down the week that was and the week that's coming up, some DFS trends for you, some wagering things too that are already uh, looking like they are going in the positive end for us. So uh, Diamond Bets on Sunday, all your baseball, all your laughs. We got you covered on Sunday here on Sports Grid. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's uh, let's get started here with the NBA and the NBA draft lottery is on tonight, 830 p.m. Eastern on ESPN 530 Pacific. If you're on the West Coast, 
It'll determine the top three picks in the NBA draft, of course. The top prospects include Anthony Edwards of Georgia, Cole Anthony of North Carolina, and uh, LaMelo Ball, who's playing in the NBL, which is really interesting. He chose to go that route. Uh, We got Golden State, Cleveland, Minnesota. One of those teams potentially could get the first pick. Cleveland every few years has a shot at the first pick. It's like when LeBron is there, they don't. When he's not, they do. Uh, I feel like Minnesota is always in this conversation. But ironically, Joe, Golden State is an interesting one here, too, because they're going to get healthy and they're going to get guys back. And next year, you would expect them to be a competitor. But let's focus here on LaMelo Ball. Uh, LaMelo Ball will be a top three pick in the NBA draft. No college, only NBL. Uh, Joe, fantasy or reality? Uh, man, I don't know. Do, do we have to hear his father, too? Like, that's it. Do you remember that? that He's that been quiet basically- for a while. What was you going to say? That was basically our sports consciousness for what, like a year almost this guy, like he, he drew up so much scenery. And I was just thinking about this the other day. I was like, whatever happened to the big baller brand? What, what's going on with that? Where is it? Haven't seen much of it. Um, I'm going to say fantasy. How about that? I'm going to say fantasy because I just want to keep suppressing the big baller brand. Cause I really don't need more of Mr. Ball going out there and talking and running his mouth about lots of nonsense. That's that. Maybe that's just me. Maybe other people enjoy it. Uh, me, not so much. Greg, what do you think about this guy? You think this guy's a top three overall pick and does he fit with what some of those teams at the top might be able to be looking to do? I mean, the Warriors are a team looking to, you know, go back to being relevant, maybe find a, a different kind of role player who can go in right away. Maybe not necessarily uh, the best player on the board. Yeah, I, I think it's a foregone conclusion. He is going to be in the top three. Oh, um, oh no. He probably won't be the first pick. There's a chance he could be the second. There's a chance he could be the first, but I do think that he is going to be a top three pick. Um, James Wiseman from Memphis is is one of the guys that I like a lot, but uh, he's one of the few that I've actually seen play. So, so it's easy is for me to say that. brother, you think? Uh, there's a chance. There's a chance, yeah. There's a chance of that. Okay. What are yeah, your thoughts a lot, on a lot the, the brother's career? A lot less fanfare going in, I'll tell you that much. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move on to the NFL. And uh, Troy Vincent, the director of the NFLPA, spoke Wednesday about the possibility for a postseason or AKA playoff bubble for the NFL that would protect its players and coaches for the league's most important games. Joe, thus far. Each team has a COVID list, and several teams do have players on the COVID list. We have clearly, through baseball, gained a lot more knowledge, a lot more information as to how to handle this. And from the Marlins to the Cardinals and to the Reds, it seems like Major League Baseball uh, had to fumble through it in order to get awareness for everybody else. So do you think that the NFL goes this route, this extreme route, and I, my extreme meaning it's probably the right thing to do, but this would be extreme for the NFL to basically have all their playoff games played maybe in one or two places. It obviously, if they did this, would eliminate home field advantage in the NFL as well, which is kind of unheard of considering how important it is. Fantasy or reality, NFL has a postseason bubble in 2021. No, yeah, 2021. Yeah, 2021. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to say fantasy only because I think this is a last resort. And I don't think they want to take away the home field advantages from the teams. And I think the NFL uh, would resort to this if they had to. And they very well might. At the end of the day, it might come to this. But I think it's going to be a fantasy. I think they're going to actually do a pretty good job, better job than other people think about 
controlling what's going on here. Uh, and it's going to be fascinating by the time you get to the Super Bowl, too, what used to be those pools of media. I mean, you know it. You see there's like 100 people in one small space with all the microphones on the one guy. I mean, that is a thing of the past. I don't know how they're going to do any of the Super Bowl coverage. That's going to be fascinating to see. I think they it's good that they have a plan in place for this. I think it's a last resort. So I'm going to say fantasy and hope that it doesn't become a reality. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to say fantasy also because I think if you start the season or maybe you get into the middle of the season with some sort of bubble, I think it does make sense. But it's really strange to me because hypothetically speaking, what you're asking is the Kansas City Chiefs to have a phenomenal season, maybe go 15 and one or 14 and two with the best player in the world and Patrick Mahomes, get that first round by and then go play uh, in Las Vegas for your home games, you know, and, and I just... There, there's something about that that seems a little bit off. Now, the one thing that I'll say is that this this optimism that all of a sudden that fans are going to be able to go to games and things are going to open up in the November or whatever, like that I don't see as realistic. I think there'll be Thanksgiving Day games, yes. I think those games will be played in front of no fans, yes. Uh, so all of those things are in play, but... It's not that it's extreme. I just I, I don't I think that they better get that set before the season starts. I'll tell you that. I, I mean, I don't I don't think that it would be fair to do that. Now, baseball is a little bit different with with uh, with home field advantage. It's not nearly what it is in uh, in the NFL. Well, and on the top World of Series that, last year proved that, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, and, and, they, and, and and by the way, I, I don't think the Major League Baseball players would have an issue with doing this to get through their season based on what they've seen. But I think the NFL goes through this. I do not think they have a, uh, a postseason bubble. If they wanted to do an AFC Championship, NFC Championship type deal in Super Bowl, okay, you know, I mean that that does make some sense. But you can't ask teams to go fourteen and two and get a bye. <laughs> and then fight for that and then not get a home game because I, I just think that the NFL and the NBA are two sports in particular that really value the home court. Okay. Oh, uh, one more point about that real quick. I just mm-hmm. want to touch on you're absolutely right. But what the, it is good is that the NFL seems to have a plan B and a plan C and a lot of other plans in place too. So they're not going to get caught with their guard down. If they have to react, they're going to have plans in place. So I think even discussing this as an option tells you where yeah. the NFL is at in terms of preparation, which is a good thing because I know some people are a little concerned about that. Yeah, no, and, and I'm still very concerned that I'm concerned what happens when one team uh, has 30 guys and, and skipping games. But but look, baseball has found a way to get the players on the field. It's not the product that everybody wants, and pitchers are getting hurt, and players are getting hurt like crazy this year. But uh, look, that's it, it's either have it or have nothing, and, and that's really the bottom line. Do you prefer to have no sports? No, I'll take what we can get. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya, 12 years after his last fight against Manny Pacquiao, he's 47 years old. So, wow, he's even older than me. The Golden Boy announced that he's coming back to the ring. He uh, won't do any exhibition matches. It's a real fight. He wants to be in the ring. He loves boxing, and and he wants to come back. Uh, I don't know who he will fight. I don't know how he will fight. I don't know when he will fight, but we're throwing it out there, Joe. Fantasy or reality, Oscar De La Hoya, whoever he fights, will win his next boxing match at 47 and hasn't fought since blackberries were on your hip. Fantasy or reality. <laughs> you did a pretty good hype job for a second there. I don't know who he'll fight. I don't know where he'll fight. You sounded like Don King for a moment there, though. You're going to, but he's going to fight. And whoever he fights, he's going to win. Um, look, I respect people wanting to go out there and continue to do the things that they love to do as they get into their 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever. I mean, I'm all about that. When it comes to contact sports like boxing and things like that, though, and pugilistic sports where you could get really hurt, 
I don't know. This is where I struggle because I don't want to see a guy get hurt. I mean, Oscar De La Hoya has an incredible legacy in the boxing world, and then you don't want to see him tarnish it. And there's so good, so much good he could do around the sport too, of maybe trying to grow the sport again. And I understand money talks, and I'm guessing this has something to do with money more than the love of the sport. That's just my guess. Maybe I'm wrong here. It's just my inclination to think negatively. I hope I'm not wrong. Excuse me. I hope I'm not right here on that. But. Oscar De La Hoya will win his next match only if he is fighting somebody who is completely not appropriate to be in a boxing ring with Oscar De La Hoya as old as he might be, Craig. So I'm going to say that is the reality with the caveat there. Yes, he will win if it's somebody that has no place being in there with him. If he's fighting right. a real fighter who is out there and and somebody that's in their prime, it's going to be fantasy. He can win that match. I'm sorry. At 47, I just don't see it. Yeah, I'll say fantasy. I'll say that he'll lose. I, I I don't think that they literally would have to throw like you know Joe Ranieri in front of him or something. You know, like I, I don't know. I, I mean, Joe's got it, a tough chin. I you know I know he could take true. a punch. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, he's going to lose. This is not going to go well for him. He he'd have to fight somebody who hasn't fought in seven years. He hasn't fought in twelve, and we'll have the guys who haven't fought in a decade fight. Because you, you can come back in boxing and you can train and then you do some exhibitions, but he's saying that he's not even doing exhibitions. This just makes no sense whatsoever. So it will end poorly for Oscar and it will be a fantasy and one of the great promoters of all time, one of the transcendent boxers of all time for sure, but these guys cannot stop. It's incredible. Uh, and I went to the Boxing Hall of Fame one year and saw what it does to some of these guys when they come back, when they come back the second time, the third time. And it, it very rarely uh, ends very well, that is for sure. So that'll do it for uh, fantasy or reality. Um, one interesting note that I wanted to bring to you today is that school did start in Florida mm-hmm. for us here, Joe. And so my kids are in the virtual uh, world, again, of of, uh, of learning. And I got to tell you, it has gone a lot smoother <laughs> this time around than it did the last time. And they're really keeping the kids engaged. I don't know what your kids have in plan for uh, school up in New Jersey. I don't know if you're sending them or not or what the story is. But here in Florida, I got to tell you, I've been impressed with the, with the online so far. I was not impressed last year. It was, it was rushed. Everybody was, was in yeah. school. And then, like, they did two hours of school and said, okay, now go do all your homework with your parents. That's essentially what they did. <laughs> but this year, it feels like, you know, I'm feeling not bad about this after a couple well, of days. Well, they've had a lot more pretty- time to prepare this time around. I think that's the big difference. I mean, they the, the teachers were really thrown a curveball here. And, you know, it was like the first two weeks and everything was okay. And then it was, oh, now we have to do new lessons and uh, all of that. And crazy. The stuff for me is I've got a kid who's going now into that next level out of elementary school for the first time. Uh, and yes, everything is remote here, mandatory where I am school district wise. So they are going to be virtual. It's not even an option to go to school for the first 10 weeks, I think, or something to that effect. Basically, that's where we're at. And I think it's the right call. I mean, it just seems like if they're not prepared to really have the kids, then why are we putting anybody at risk unnecessarily for another few weeks, another few months? Let's just, you know, make sure we're okay. Now, that sounds good to me. I'm glad that you're giving me this report here a couple weeks ahead. We don't start till the first week of September. So the fact that in Florida, everyone's got their, you know what, together. And I'm hopeful in New Jersey, (laughs) they've got it, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I think the thing. The thing that's that's most interesting is that they've found a way to keep the kids' attention for the entire day with like little breaks, and and for us, we drive the kids to school still. So um, our school, unfortunately, is about twenty five minutes from us, and we're like, wow! So we get to sleep in a little bit more. We don't have to go. We don't have to pick them up. 
and the schoolwork's actually getting done like on site, it's it's mm-hmm. not a bad uh, not a bad deal. That's for sure. I'll tell you what, man, it, it's going to make us all rethink colleges for these kids too. If you can get your degree online and not pay all of that money to a big university and stuff like that, I don't know. It's about your work ethic and how much time you're going to put in there, not necessarily the name on the paper or how much debt you go into. It's definitely something to think about. All right, uh, we'll take a quick time out here on Fantasy Sports today, and we'll be back with the Sports Grid 6. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizapia and uh, Scott Farrell coming up later. Going to update you on all the baseball games. Luke Voigt has homered again for the New York Yankees. This guy has just been on fire at the start of the season. Really nice guy and good story as well. Maybe Luke Voigt ends up winning the American League home run title. Who had that one? Where was that? 500 to 1, 1,000 to 1? Nowhere to 1. No one had that. All right, let's turn it over to Joe for the Sports Grid 60 before we get out of here on this Thursday. Joe, take it away. Tom Brenneman says that that sort of word is not what's in his heart. But unfortunately, the words that he used as a a derogatory term towards homosexuals is the word that was in his mouth. And you have to be responsible for what you say on an open mic or just not on an open mic. In 2020, we have to have a little bit of evolution here and understand where we're at and understand that we can all do better. And Tom Brenneman is a broadcaster of great privilege, part of a legacy of broadcasters who not only does MLB, but the NFL as well. And yes, there should be accountability. And my advice to Tom Brenneman is go embrace that community that you basically spoke so derogatorily about and realize what that community is before you speak poorly about it again. All right. Well said there, Joe. Uh, I made a little uh, comment tongue in cheek earlier about BlackBerry. The reason why is Onward Mobile has decided it's a good idea to bring the BlackBerry back. Yes, folks, it is coming back to a phone store near you. No one really knows the specs, the dynamics, or what it will include, but the old days of having a keyboard on your phone and not having a touchscreen, do you miss them? Because guess what? You may have an opportunity to go back to that. For me personally, I, it was so hard for me to go to the BlackBerry to the uh, iPhone, but now uh, it's going to be hard, I think, for me to go back, I think. Not sure, but I think. All right, that'll do it for the show today. And thanks to everybody watching. Also, thanks to Mike Tagliere for coming on the show. As always, we appreciate his participation here on Fantasy Sports Today. Thank you to Brett. Thank you to Chris. Thank you to Danny, of course, for making sure our graphics look nice and great, as they do every day. Thank you to Joe Ranieri as well. Uh, my co-host, Joe Pizapia, and I will be right back with you here tomorrow at noon Eastern for our Friday edition of Fantasy Sports Today. Until then, stay on the grid. Have a great night. We'll catch you tomorrow at noon Eastern. Have a great day. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.